0: Welcome to Pat Sherlock's podcast series interviews with top mortgage sales leaders. Learn practical tips for improving sales management results. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. This is Pat Sherlock, and welcome to the podcast. Today is such an important topic that every manager really needs to hear about it's sales metrics the manager should use when measuring success. This is a key topic, and I'm so glad that we're having our expert, Eric Jenner, talk about it today. Eric's with, he is Director of Mortgage Lending at Connecta Federal Credit Union in California. Previously, he was with Bank America and GMAC, so he's an experienced mortgage manager, and I want to welcome Eric to the show.
1: Well, thank you, Pat. I appreciate you having me on.
0: Well, this is such a key topic. I'm so glad that we're talking about it because especially now when we're in the the throes of extreme refinancing, I think sometimes the measurements kind of not get talked about enough because we, we will go back to normal times at some point. But let's start with Eric talking about how did you get into the role of being a manager? Was it something you started out with or did you move into it? Talk about that for our listeners.
1: Certainly. It was definitely something that I, I moved into over the course of, of my career, initially starting in the origination side of things from a consumer direct channel, moving into take an external mortgage loan consultant approach into sales management, and then into finally the uh, director role. So it was a, an evolutionary process, I would say. Started when I began my career and uh, as an originator.
0: When you look at it from the standpoint of all these years of managing, what's the best advice that you really got on the topic? And is there any books that you thought were very helpful in helping you to be a better manager?
1: Um, well, a couple things actually. Yeah, there's certainly a couple books that that I would highly recommend. One of them is called Extreme Ownership with with Jocko Willink. Uh, mm-hmm. For those of you who don't know him, he's a Retired Navy SEAL, he's kind of parlayed that into business consulting and has a pretty successful run at that. His uh, philosophy and his tactics towards management kind of aligned with a military approach, although it's not as as aggressive, I guess you would say, as a, being in a SEAL team. But uh, Extreme Ownership is a great one. Another one that he has recently released was Leadership Strategy and Tactics, which I think is a great one for introductory entry-level manager to get kind of some of the mm-hmm. basics down, very simple very easy to uh, apply, and I, I do like to read it. One other one I, that I, I enjoy is called "Never Split the Difference" by Chris Voss, who is a uh, retired FBI uh, negotiator, hostage negotiator. And there's some, some definitely some good nuggets that you could pick up in there from the from the sales approach as well as from a management approach. I would say probably to answer your your first question, the best advice I heard on that topic actually probably came from I got an opportunity to meet Jocko. At one of his uh, his leadership courses called a muster a couple of years back, and I was chatting with him, and he he said, "Don't be the leader with your hands in your pockets, but don't be the leader with your hands in everything." I, I kind of took that as is is interesting because I think for all of us that have been in a management or leadership role, we tend to sometimes get into the into the weeds a bit when maybe we should be looking, you know, upwards and outwards instead of down and in. So I, that one kind of spoke to me as far as kind of the overall philosophy of you know you can't just be with your hands in your pockets, but you can't be in everything either. Otherwise, you won't be effective as a as a leader.
0: Yeah, that's a great point, and I would agree with the with that strategy for sure. Because managers always talk about how they don't have time, but. They do. And you really have to ask the question of what are you spending your time doing? And if you're micromanaging, that's obviously not going to be productive. If you had to say the secret sauce of what many people might miss, what is it that you see, uh, that you see, I guess, maybe with new managers or managers that have a difficult time and managing their group?
1: For me, I think the secret sauce that that I've I've found through, through managing from a sales management to director role is, is, it's kind of even embedded into what, what philosophy is, is taking ownership. I think a lot of times what happens is if the team fails, everyone fails, right? So you got to take a a holistic approach of you, you're the team, you're the leader. Mm -hmm. So you got to be able to take ownership even for the failures. And I think when you, you do that, and you obviously use that that ownership to find solution, you build some credibility with the team and up the up the chain as well. Very often it's easy to, uh, especially in our world, I'm sure for those listening and in lending, you know, there's fulfillment and there's sales and there's always this back and forth that sometimes can be toxic and, and sometimes can be very healthy. And I think that's where that ownership role, for me anyway, has served me pretty well of, you know, if it's something I'm, Hey, i I own that. That's my, that's my mistake. And, be surprised how far that goes along building trust with with other leaders and other managers in your department, I would say. Aside from that, you know, being humble, (laughs) you know, it's an honor to lead, you know, and and the team's counting on you to make the right decisions. So you got to make sure that uh, you're very humble and you treat everybody as you want to be treated and, you know, uh, make sure you discipline your ego so your ego doesn't get a get a hold of you, you know, everyone has a a certain level of ego and it could be unhealthy. So I would say those are the main, main things that I've adopted as my, my secret sauce, although they're, they're, they're pretty basic, basic, basic,
0: Well, they're blocking and
1: tackling, I'd say.
0: Yeah, well, they're not, they might be basic, but they're not done enough at many companies and by many managers. So I think it's important that you emphasize that again. I never think it's enough, tell you the truth. And so when you're thinking about all these things that you just talked about, what is the practice that you come back to over and over again in managing?
1: The practice that, that I come back to again, just to reiterate, was taking that ownership and and being mm-hmm. humble. But one of the practices that has served me well, it, at least in my new role, especially, is well, the term is is a term that Jocko uses. It's called it's called decentralized command, and and basically what it means is that everybody leads. So when you have a team, a sales manager team, you know, and you're you're in a position, you're needing to look at some bigger, more strategic areas as opposed to tactical giving that leadership authority to have those managers make the call, right? So it's a shared it's a shared experience instead of me, per se, directing them to do something, get their input of what do you guys think about this? How would you approach this? And then they in turn take ownership with their idea. And once they take their own ownership, they buy into it and you see more results, right? As opposed to, you know, somebody just dictating orders, hey, I need you to do this. You start asking those questions and and getting uh, more meaningful responses and and buy-in, and that's always been something that I've come back to. That's helped. That's helped a great deal for me.
0: Was that a hard transition? And, And it sounds like, and certainly what I see from a consulting standpoint, a lot of managers are micromanagers to the detriment of the group. Was that something that you see a lot, or is that something that is not as big an issue as we might think?
1: No, it, it it is something that takes a little bit of time to work at because I think as as a as a leader, your main goal is building relationships, and obviously the end results mm-hmm. perform. But you know, a team is a group of people who have relationships of trust, right? And otherwise, we're just a disconnected, incoherent cluster of people. So it does take a little bit of time to build that trust and what I like to call leadership capital, where you can feel comfortable letting them take the take the reins, so to speak, and. It's it's difficult at times. At least I've I found initially, you you, as a leader, you you tend to see a certain way that you want it done, and if it's not done that way, you know, it, it, you you have a tendency to want to jump in. Well, you know, oftentimes if you have the you know, I say 80 percent done the way you want it is 100 percent done better than the way you need to do it yourself. Right? Then you right. doing it, provided provided it's not you know from a compliance standpoint. And things of, of regulations, but from, a, from an approach, but it, it takes some time to to build the trust in order to do that, and it starts with little steps, right? I would say one, one way you can kind of expedite that a little bit across channels, meaning not just your sales managers, but even with your fulfillment folks is uh, you know when they have an idea and it seems sound, you know support it, right? You show your support for that idea you start to get that trust and you start to get that relationship built that helps you along the way.
0: That's an excellent point that you're making. And I think it's interesting uh, and I think it's really important for our listeners today, um, the guideline of when if you if if someone else can do an assignment 80 percent of the way that you want, um that's good enough versus if you did that and spent the time and realities it might be done perfect but you really have lost the credibility within that person because you're not giving them the responsibility. But that's really an important point, Eric. I'm glad you brought it up. I think in mortgage banking, we are certainly busy all the time, but it's always this question of what are we busy about and who manages that the best are the managers that tend to be the more successful managers. Really great point, so I'm so glad that you brought that up. Well, let's kind of delve deeper into the sales metrics uh, and how would you manage success. Success. Talk a little bit about what you consider the metrics that you look at when you're managing a team.
1: Yeah, sure. And, and I think when we look at, at measuring sales metrics, it's also dependent upon the specific role of the loan officer. I mm-hmm. think for 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 some of us, it's not necessarily a blanket look at what that role is. Although there's some similar similarities, you know, you you may have a consumer direct channel, you may have a, a, a branch internal loan officer, and then you may have You know, external loan offices that are boots on the ground that they have a different approach to to their 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 Mm -hmm. sales right and they have certainly have different metrics because you wouldn't want to you wouldn't want to put some you know lag measures related to a consumer direct model against someone who's who's external but uh, to your point we do tend to look more at the uh the lagging measures of you know app to lock, lock to fund ratios, things like sure. that. And you know, you know, kind of focusing more on the the lead measures would be, you know, as you said, it leads to activity. So for example, in a consumer direct model, we take a look at, you know, how many impound calls are being taken, how many outbound calls are being made, what the talk time is for something like that. And then we measure it against all our peers. We look at those factors to kind of see where there's a, a median range and and what those look like from a lagging measure, right? So uh-huh. you, know, you take 12. Uh, so those those lead measures, I think, and and again, these are more basic principles of hey, you know, how many how many calls are you taking? How many outbound calls are you are you doing? Our internet leads? How long are you spending on the phone? Things like that. If you're if you're external, you know a branch internal how many appointments are you setting how many referrals are you are you getting from your, your branch partners how many are you getting back we look at those conversions or those numbers to just generate um just activity for the mm-hmm. most part because the lead measures are going to be r- rooted in activity for the for the most part and then you have your externals which can be a little bit different because they for example at least in, in my world we have some externals that are more focused in a specific discipline, you know, construction lending,
0: mm-hmm. jumbo
1: lending, right? So their approach isn't going to be, you know, how many outbound calls did you make? It's where they're meeting with builders and doing things like that. So I'd say, you know, t- to answer your question, you'd want to measure the activity clearly up front from a metric standpoint, and then find out what those metrics are for your organization. So you'll know what, you know, the and sufficient talk times that you need the sufficient amount of outbound calls or calls coming in that you need and you can kind of build a model that you can then start to measure success and also be able to to performance manage too I was going to say one other point one thing that that might be overlooked by some or maybe not is taking a look also at um, concession reporting so what what I've found in experience is you know we're we're always the low price leader. We sell on you know our, our member centric and service model like probably most of us on the phone, but there's also times where you have to have some some discussions of price concessions to you know gain commitment. And one of the interesting things that we take a look at is you know the use of the concession, who's using it, who's abusing it, who's not mm-hmm. using it enough. And I found it's very interesting when you'll see some folks that don't have any, right? And you think, wow, you're doing a great job. You don't have any concessions. And, you know, I I take a different look at that. I go, that's fantastic. But are we leaving some business on the table as well? Right. So you have a little bit of flexibility.
0: That's interesting that you you look at that because it does remind me of something that Countrywide used to do where they would look at concessions that would be made. And if there was a certain dollar amount that was considered you know, out really outside of what it should have been, then that, that triggered that the employee had to go to training on on that topic, which which I often thought was a great way to do it. In other words, you Mm -hmm. know, again, there's obviously something missing, but you made a point that you can be not having any concessions, which says maybe you're not being aggressive enough. So, um, Eric, this leads to another question. When you're using, certainly, these metrics, you're comparing yourself against your internal past records, or are you looking at other Competitors from the standpoint of, let's say, Stratmore and the MBA certainly compare against your peers. Kind of, which way are you kind of going with it?
1: We look at both. I would say primarily it's been internal. We could probably do a better job looking externally, but the reason why I say that is for for our particular organization, we have what I would consider, based upon you know peer relationships that I have, pretty high. Lock to fund ratio, mm-hmm. and app to lock ratio. So, we 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 would look at that from a from an organ, you know, from a an industry standard. But overall, we've been really playing with the metrics internally,
0: mm-hmm.
1: trying trying to dial them. I think right now we have an 87 percent, you know, lock to fund ratio, which is considered pretty high.
0: Oh yeah, for sure, that is high. So, But when you look at the metrics, just I wonder if you can share, is this something that you're looking at it or are your direct managers looking at it? And how, how frequently is that done? Is there any ramifications when it looks like it's getting out of whack? I mean, talk about how you're actually monitoring mm-hmm. the metrics.
1: The actual metrics themselves in the reporting is, is done from the sales management level. Sure. So I have my consumer direct and extend, ex, external sales manager, been mm-hmm. um I do review them, and it's it's typically done on a rolling 90. Oh, okay. so You get a kind of a better feel as opposed to just a month-to-month because you could certainly have an off month, and sh- mm-hmm. you can certainly have a stellar month. I'm sure we've all had the loan officer had a huge month, and then the month prior to that, they didn't fund anything. So they get all the accolades. I, I take a look at them more or less on a quarterly basis. But the sales managers do a very, very good job of fine-tuning it and looking at it on a monthly basis. In some cases, on the consumer direct model, it's done uh, on a weekly basis as far as the talk times and and uh, you know calls coming in and, and and such.
0: So is the originator receiving this data at the same time? Is that correct?
1: The originator will get a follow-up, say, for that week or that month. Oh, I got you. Uh, and they're you know, kind of one-on-one, but it's not something where they're bombarded with it on a daily basis it's the model that we have is a little a little bit different and where it's not primarily working off like aggregated leads where you're getting tons of calls coming in although we've had quite a sure. few with, quite a few with what's going on now the call volume is relatively low from say like a big a mortgage banker you know where they just do thousands thousands of calls so it's sure. really focusing on the quality of the call talk time primarily
0: mm-hmm. and then
1: also the uh, the outbound c- outreach or outbound calls that are taking place.
0: No, that's that's a good point. Well, our time has flown, and so for the listeners, wow. can you summarize uh, some of the key takeaways when it comes to managing sales metrics?
1: Yes, absolutely. Um, the the attention's in the details. You know, um, if you want to keep consistent uh, activity and behaviors moving forward, and, and ultimately the results. Uh, just make sure you have a model set up that is easy to measure against and you be able to you know, make adjustments and, and, and pivot those as needed, but at least it provides the basic building blocks and foundations for what's expected of the role and what the potential outcomes would be because you have a, a pretty good shot of being able to determine what the results will be if you have some of these basic uh, metrics in place you know, for the organization, and then you can tweak them as accordingly.
0: Well, that's a great point to leave on, and I want to thank you for sharing your wisdom today, and I want to thank all our listeners also, and certainly look for our next podcast. Thanks, Eric.
1: Yeah, thank you, Pat. Thanks for having me.